Welcome to the Loyal Locals Podcast. My name is Jerry Jimenez, the Communications Director for the Locals. I'm joined once again by Steve Brokoff, Drew Steck, the President, the Vice President of the Locals. What's up, guys? What's going on, Drew? Uh, you're on a you're on a beautiful Tuesday where it's a kind of nice wintry mix for San Diego, so I like it. Taco Tuesdays. Actually, every day <laughs> is uh, taco something in my life. Oh yeah, Steve, what's going oh, on? Yeah. What you up to? Not much. I'm going to be every uh, 30 year old dad in San Diego and say we've needed this rain. Yeah, oh. <laughs> 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 and holy moly, it was hailing. That was yeah. crazy. I was in uh, La Jolla yesterday, and it started raining dipping dots on me. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, a new sponsor there, Jerry. Yeah, if you keep yeah. mentioning them one more time, we'll get a free free bowl. I'm trying, man. You see that? That's how you do it. You like? I'm gonna just start mentioning Stone. That's what I'm gonna start doing. We still need a sponsorship from Stone. The club has it. We don't. We are we are independent. May I remind everybody that is listening, man? We have a very special show today. I am so excited. I am just like. Something that we've been talking about amongst ourselves, trying to make it happen. However, our guest today is so busy and he's been juggling so many balls, trying <laughs> to get all of these things uh, to work out so that we could have her on the show. Finally, it's happening. That's why we're recording on a Tuesday. But you know what? It's totally, totally worth it. Steve just literally clocked out, drove all the way from his uh, office in his house to the outside patio to record with us. <laughs> with us and we're here today we are oh we are joined by a herman award winner all right a ussf female athlete of the year oregon sports hall of fame olympics gold winner and silver women's world cup winner u.s soccer hall of fame inductee shannon mcmillan welcome how are you Hello, hello, gentlemen. Thanks so much for having me. I had to have all these balls in the air to finally figure out how to get on this show. It's been a year. I had to figure out a way in. <laughs> well, we're thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. We're so thank so you. excited thank you. to have you. Yeah. I know Steve is. Steve's been on me like, hey, so when we're getting Shannon, can we get Shannon? I've been we get Shannon this too, Jerry. Why do you keep saying it's Steve? I said it's. <laughs> Well, thank you All to right, Drew fine. and Steve then for, you know, they <laughs> finally outvoted you, Jerry. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. No, we've all, like I said, we've been talking about getting yeah. you on. And I think it was just the right time because we have some really, really cool, fun stuff to talk about. Something that, uh, you know, we all love here. And that's why we're here is uh, the San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. And you're a uh, you big, big part of it. Steve. Thank you for making the time amongst your um, seemingly nine jobs that you do. Um <laughs> You know, you run a youth club, you're the tech, technical staff of SD Loyal, you do the broadcasting, um, part owner of Angel City FC. We'll get into a lot of this stuff. And most importantly, you're a mom. So thank you for making the time to join us today. Absolutely. It's an honor to, to sit here with you guys and chat some soccer and everything going on right now. So thank you. Yeah, let's let's jump right into it. But I do need to mention, and we'll probably talk about this once we get off the air, uh, if you don't mind. But if you want to pass along any of those jobs, I'm jobless right now. So, um, but we'll talk about it later. So, uh, <laughs> here we go. I like to start uh, every conversation. Actually, kind of getting to know you a little bit, warm you into the more difficult questions later on. And uh, but <laughs> I'm not just I appreciate that. Take it easy on me. No difficult questions. No the. 
the first question I like to ask is it always has to do with your first contact with the sport of soccer. When did that come? Uh, how old were you? Do you remember it? And then also, what was the if there if there is a specific point in time when you were like this is this is what I'm going to do? I'm I'm going to be a soccer player. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely remember I was five years old and started playing rec soccer out in Escondido and basically just played because my friends played and loved the fact that, you know, at halftime, the orange slices came out and uh, you're playing with your friends, having fun. And then after the game, you get the juice box and whatever, you know, you, you're trying to figure out which parent has snack that day because certain parents are the ones that you're like, yeah, they're bringing the good stuff, you know, the unhealthy fruit snacks and candy and all that. And just just really loved being around my friends um, and that's really what what it started about and played all different sports all the way up until high school I was played basketball a little bit um, you know being fast I could steal the ball and I'd fly down the court and miss the layup so I finally would just drive down and wait for a teammate ta uh, pass it off so realized basketball wasn't that much fun um, I played softball. They wanted me to steal the bases, but I could never hit the dang ball. So speed doesn't help you much if you can't hit the dang ball. So that uh, ended up being a short-lived career <laughs> and ran about two weeks of track and could not stand how short those shorts were. And there's actually footage of me doing the 100, and as soon as I came out of the starting blocks, pulling on my shorts, trying to pull them down. So um, track was probably my, my shortest reign at, um, altogether. But, um, you know, I... I in fairness, I probably really didn't realize that um, that there was soccer beyond high school um, until I started getting recruited for college because, you know, national team, you know, the women won the first World Cup in 91, but you, no one heard about it. You know, they, they all joke that they win the World Cup in China and they land in L.A. and it's like two people meeting them and it's it's family members, you know, and it was just not unheard of. So um, for me, it was when I got to University of Portland and um, started to play for Clive Charles, who uh, he just uh, helped shape me into who I am as a person. Um, without a doubt, I owe every ounce of my career to that man. And um, he really helped me. You know, I was a shy, quiet, timid kid in Escondido who just kind of kept to themselves and went up to Portland and Clive helped me to pick my head up and realize that, you know, I, I have potential beyond the field and really helped me to look people in the eye and to um, really embrace that I could be a strong kick-ass woman. Awesome. That is, yeah, that yeah. for me, uh, that whole culture up in Portland is is pretty key <sighs> to so many people's entry into getting it through the uh, 90s and 2000s and kind of into now. It really does feel like a lot of that genesis is owed to, to Clive and kind of the University of Portland program, as well as, you know, older Timbers teams. But it feels like that resurgence, at least I've seen a trajectory for yourself and a lot of people, it seems like. So from that, I guess in that culture, it, was that really where you started to pick apart and see coaching can kind of elevate not just what, what a player is doing, but almost a community? Or was it more just a I really like being a player and now I can have opportunities and then maybe one of those opportunities will be coaching or what was kind of the marination on that, I guess? Yeah, that and that's a great question. And for me, it um, you know, I took a Greyhound bus from Escondido, downtown Escondido up to downtown Portland, not knowing anybody and 29 hours later, stopping in every city along the way, just exhausted. Um, but Back then, you actually took your five recruiting trips, and they were actually legit, like, trying to figure out the school. You're not using it just for, heck, heck, I need, I need a trip. And um, when I had my recruiting trip up there, I just fell in love with it because it was just a soccer city. And it was 
at that point, one of the only soccer specific stadiums, it was packed and the fans were rocking and it, you know, it was the first introduction to supporters, you know, the, the purple Portland flag, they waved behind the goal, the out in their kilts and stuff. And I fell in love with it right away. And I stepped off that bus way back in 92, just having found a home. And, you know, it was through Clive that he taught so many life lessons. And you're looking at a man who was hired to coach the men's team. And three years into the program, he looked around and he asked the AD, he's like, why isn't there a women's program? And the AD just kind of said, oh, I don't know, go ahead and start one. So he started one. So he's coaching both teams at the same time. So talk about a coach that can get the most from players individually, most as a collective unit, but also the difference between men and women and coaching them. And, you know, he really just taught the life lessons that go beyond the field from the teamwork, overcoming the obstacles, the camaraderie, the time management, and so many life skills that I try to now impart on players that I work with, because it sets people up to be good humans beyond the field, because the pyramid gets narrower and narrower, and it's hard. It's really, really hard to be at that top level, and it's few and far in between so how else can we instill in these younger players just the opportunity to be good solid people um, and it's no secret you know people want to hire athletes because they have the time management they know what it takes to sacrifice and all that stuff so um, i really found that at portland and just love that now that they have timbers as well as the thorns and it's such a home field advantage you know and i we saw it here we got a small glimpse of it here with the locals and you know it all got abruptly stopped and it was heartbreaking to see but that is such an advantage when you come into a city like that and you know their supporters are going to be rocking and in your ear i mean that's it, that that's a game changer so it's it's exciting for me that we have this here now in my hometown because i did find my way back to san diego through the wsa um you know, and finally having a men's team here, hopefully a women's team to come shortly. So it's exciting stuff. Oh, that's what we'll I want to hear. <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But, um, us being huge fans of yours for many, many years now, um, we've, I mean, I assume the other two guys on here, I've heard the other podcasts you've done, like, you know, shouts to BSI, the podcast you went on there. That was an amazing podcast. Yeah. You kind of <laughs> the story in like, you know, great, great detail. So, um, but not all of our listeners might have heard that. Could you kind of go from, Perfect launch point from where you ended from your Portland career, kind of to, you know, just brush over some women's World Cup victories and a gold medal and, you know, maybe a U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. And you know, can you kind of go, can you kind of summarize your career for people who may not know all the ins and outs? Yeah. Um, I'll try to do the the elevator version here without right. uh, getting into tears or too much emotion of it. Um, but I finished up, as Jerry mentioned, you know, my senior season in 95, won the Herman Award and all the hands down um, college players of the years. My first year in the national team, the full women's team was actually in 93. Um, but the whole time I was in college, I was kind of one of those players. I get called into a camp, maybe make a roster, maybe get to play in a game. It was, it was kind of sporadic. Um, and in fairness, I wasn't ready, but you know, in, when I finished my senior season in 95, we lost in triple overtime. Um, and you know, for me, it was heartbreaking because, when I first got to Portland, we'd never even made the playoffs. So Clive and my joke was we needed one more year for me to actually win it because we went from not making the playoffs to making it to the second round to the final four is actually, that's how old I am called the final four back then. Um, my senior season, we made the final and lost. So, um, but anyway, flash forward to that December, we, they had a training camp down in Chula Vista actually where lo um, loyal trains and um 
because there wasn't a women's league, whenever there was a major event like an Olympic or a World Cup, the women's team has to go into what they called a residency program, meaning we would leave everything home, family, potentially jobs, everything, and move to one locale to train and try to create the environment to have us prepared. So in uh, December of 95, they had a training camp down in Chula Vista to pick 24 players to move to Orlando, Florida to train for Atlanta Olympics. And I'd grown up my entire life just dreaming of being in the Olympics. Many people laughed at me because women's soccer wasn't even an Olympic sport, but I just had a dream of being in the Olympics. And this was the first time I went into a training camp where I actually was, I never felt that I was a cocky player, but I was confident that I knew I could hang with this group. And long story short, at the end of the 10 days, they posted the roster in the locker room. And, um, you know, if you were in the 24, you were then going to make flight info and stuff to move. And then if you weren't, you had a time by your name of to go meet with the coaches. So they could tell you why they didn't pick you. And so I looked at the roster and I'm like, maybe it's alphabetical, maybe it's numeric, all different ways. And finally see my, my name down there and just devastated. Cause at this point we didn't have a league. I've now finished my college career, uh, major in social work. I wasn't ready to really go to work, work and just couldn't believe it. And in fairness, I sat through that meeting with the coaches and all I heard was wah, wah, wah. I was pissed. I just very colorful words I had in my mind for them. I was just going through the motions. I don't know one thing they said. And I got on a plane back up to Portland and I went into Clive Charles's office and, um, bawled my eyes out and used every colorful descriptive word of how uneducated, how not smart, how everything you can imagine about that coaching staff. And Clive let me cry for a couple hours and he had the tissue box. He puts it on his desk. And then after a bit, he goes, you know, are you done? And I said, nope. And I went on for another 30 minutes, just every colorful thing. And Clive finally goes, are you done now? And I'm like, I think so. You know, I've got snot. My eyes are bright red. And, you know, that lovely look when you've been bawling your heart and soul out. And he looked at his watch. And he said, all right, it's 2.30. He says, I'll see you on the field tomorrow at 2.30. And I looked at him because keep in mind, this is he was my everything, like the mentor, father figure, everything. And I'm like, you've now lost your mind. I'm like, why? And he says, you've got 24 hours to mope and feel sorry for yourself. And then you're going to get back out there and I'm going to kick your, you know what, twice as hard and you're going to be ready. And I said, Clive, what, what are you talking about? I said, they have 24 players that they just invited to Florida. The Olympic roster in 96 was 16 players. Oh my God. I said, how in the world do you think I'm going to have a chance? They already have to make eight more cuts. And he just looked at me and said, there's going to be an opportunity and it's going to be a matter of, are you ready or not? So I went back to my apartment and, you know, cried to anyone that would listen and thinking how Clive's lost his mind. But, you know, something by the time I woke up that next morning, I'm like, you know what, Clive, he's never done me wrong. And so I went out there and I worked my tail off. And a month later in February, um, the team was set to go down to Brazil for a tournament and the leadership, um, you know, the Michelle Akers, the Karen Gabars, the, the legends of legends, um, finally went to U.S. soccer and were like, you know, this $12 per diem isn't enough. We're leaving jobs. We're leaving families. We need to have some sort of salary. And U.S. soccer said no. And so that was when the first strike really happened. Um, and so they were going to call a scrub team and my phone rang. And having been with the team for that long, you know, I had nothing but respect for him. So I remember calling Fowdy and being like, Jules, you know, they're calling me, offered me this opportunity to go down to Brazil, but I don't want to cross a line. 
And Foudy being Foudy and the ultimate captain just said, Mac, get your butt down there. You need to do what you need to do to join us. So long story short, I went down to Brazil and Tony looked at me and said, hey, we, we think you're going to play right midfield. And I was that forward. When I first got to Portland, I was a forward who just outran and, you know, did the jog, jog walk back and waited for the next ball. And Clive taught me, actually, you're the first line of defense. You defend here, too. Um, but midfield's a whole other story. You're flying, I mean, Jack Metcalf, I mean, all day long. That was not me. Yeah. I'm a little quick sprinter. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, at that point, because it had been taken away from me, I'm like, I will do whatever it takes. So started to learn a new position. And by the time the women got we got back from Brazil. The women had sorted things out. I got sent back to Portland, but a week later they called me in and um, became an extra player in residency. Uh, by the time the Olympic roster was made, I was on the 16. By the time the Olympics started, I was one of the starters. And by the time the Olympics ended, I was leading scorer for the U.S. team um, with three goals. So uh, it was it was a moment where when we stepped on that gold medal podium. I, I don't doubt that all my teammates relish that moment, but I think it meant a little bit more to me just because it had been so hard. Um, and that was the first time that I, you know, really broke into that team and was a, a solidified member um, and then was just fortunate enough to have a 12-year career amongst women that are still just dear, dear friends. Joy Fawcett and I, we see each other at least once a month, if not more, and hang out. And, um, you know, Foudy when she's around and not traveling the world for ESPN. So it's just women that we have just such, uh, you know, they're family. And it's beyond the game. And that's something that I relish more than the medals is the relationships I have with those women. Yeah, and I mean, you hear so many stories about, like, you know, Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team or Tom Brady was drafted 199. And, like, <laughs> it's about perseverance. You know, like, there's another story. Your story right there is incredible that, you know, it's about perseverance. It's about keeping – work hard and, and make sure you take advantage of your opportunities. And, I mean, that's exactly what you did. And, like, look at your career from there. So, you know, good story for everybody out there to, you know, keep chasing your dreams and don't, don't give up. Absolutely. You got to always believe in yourself and, you know – take advantage of every opportunity and you know, it might be few and far between, but make sure you're ready. Gosh, we're not even yeah. 20 minutes into this and already I just, I don't know how we're going to make do any better than, than that story, but <laughs> we're going to try Shannon. Before, we can try guys. We can try <laughs> we, before, before I ask, uh, you know, to move on and before we jump into San Diego loyal and everything that you're involved mm -hmm. in, uh, here, I, I, I have to ask you that one question, one, uh, story, one story from your times with the the women's uh, national team, uh, a story that keeps coming up that you, you really enjoy telling uh, that maybe isn't, uh, you know, going to take us into the entire hour, but something that you just remember as a really cool thing that sticks out out of your, your time with, with the women's national team. Oh, man, from all the silliness, you know, we, we had to entertain ourselves. You know, you're living together. And trust me, it's 24, 25 women it's not always rainbows and butterflies. There's a <laughs> lot of rough, rough days, but, you know, we, we just made the most of it, whether it was going bowling with mandatory dress up in teams to toilet papering each other's houses and residency, um, you know, to silly bets, you know, dyeing the hair through the World Cup, um, you know. Kate Sabrero, I better. I'm like, Joy's going to score. When Joy scores, you're dyeing your hair. Um, you know, and sure enough, Joy scores and Kate Sabrero, she still says to this day, her mom, you know, gives her so much crap about having that red hair. Um, but I, I just think it was just, you know, one of the most enjoyable things was it was probably in 96 when we first had the experience with the sports psychologist. 
And she came in and really helped us with the mental aspect of the game, but also the peripheral stuff where, you know what, we're in the Olympics. Christine Lilly doesn't need to worry that her brother needs an extra ticket for the semifinal game and he needs to make sure it's in this section. So they took all that away from us and they told the family, we don't want you talking to the players at all. And we did silly things, you know, we did a high ropes course and all that team building stuff, but you know, here we are downtown Athens marching with little flags, singing in our Olympic garb, and we were just so in our moment. And then you look back on it and you're like, people must have thought, who are these women marching around like this? You know, maybe because we weren't as known then, but it was things that we did and, you know, we were together and it didn't matter how silly or goofy we looked, um, you know, and we just, we have pictures of this, just marching around downtown Athens and Florida because we were a peripheral venue, um, but just had the just i mean being in the moment and enjoying every little bit there's there's so many i, I could seriously we can go on all night um brianna scurry losing a bet and streaking naked you know all, all kinds of fun stuff that uh i could also get myself in trouble for sharing <laughs> you know that's the thing though and, and you, i think you put it perfectly every time that i see any group of of any of the generations of the women's national team now when they're together it's there's so much happiness it's nothing but smiles yeah. and nothing but like you can tell that you're you're just always messing with each other you're always having a good time you're always yeah. like a family always a family yeah. and so that's what i love even the new generation now you can see it every time they're outside of i'm not talking about when they're even you know wearing their jersey i'm talking about just hanging out mm -hmm. and you can see it it's it's so so cool and i think that's for us as, as supporters, when we see a team like that, when we see members of the club like, like we do with, with Loyal, where they're just having fun with each other and they go out yeah. and they hang out outside, that makes such a big difference. It translates into the field so, so yeah, differently. Yeah, like each other as people like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, really I, I agree. Yeah, and you, you have to be able to come down on each other. And that's the thing is like, you know, I've had Fowdy scream. I mean, Mia's taken my head off on the field, but they're the first ones when you walk off to put their arm around you and just say, hey, you know, I mean, I just saw the Patrick Mahomes moment with the guy who uh, muffed the punt over the weekend and him going over on the bench saying, hey, we got you. We're good. We're good. Like it gave me the chills to see that because when you have that respect and that love within a team, it makes a difference. And for me, I truly believe it comes from the Karen Gabars, the Michelle Akers, the Carla Overbecks, those OG women who played for the love. It really was about the love of the game. I mean, none of them are sitting retired just based off of what they earned. They all worked and still work to this day to even provide for their families, but it's just the true love of the game and really setting the standards that then the next generations have to make sure that, you know, get off the bus and pick up an equipment bag. Don't be a princess and walk in with your headphones on. Lead by example, embrace it because that patch on your chest is more important than the name on your back. I love right. that. And that's, yeah, that's something where I think you've obviously sprinkled that throughout your career, wherever you've been, uh, in terms of taking it, I think, from Portland to that a little bit, that, that attitude, and then bringing it uh, through the rest of your career that I've seen, at least. But one of the, one of the notable places would be uh, kind of here in San Diego. Before uh, we even thought about having a pro soccer team, uh, you've been here mm -hmm. since 2009, not since 2000, but you've been running uh, Delmar Sharks, I believe, since 2009, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Where like, I, I think kind of building a culture, how, how does that, at least for you, um, when you've, you know, you, you've got this uh, pedigree, at least to be a coach at the or a technical director at the highest levels 
uh, of women's soccer in this country. What drove you to being ahead of youth soccer, I guess, for so many years, um, you know, here in San Diego, you know, without any hope of, not, not hope, but without any thought of, you know, maybe a higher level team, but really just being dedicated to building a culture for, for the youth and building that next generation, as you were talking about, what kind of led to that? I, to be completely honest, Drew, I, I fought it. I came kicking and screaming, man. <laughs> this youth environment and the youth culture is just so completely ass backwards and just insane. I was actually, um, when I retired, you know, I, I thought of like, what am I going to do now? Retired from playing. And I, I definitely went through this funk and this lull and I would close to a depression where like, you know, how do I get this high of playing in front of 90,000 people and getting up in the morning and going and, you know, competing against Christine Lilly and joy. Like I went through this, what in the world, how do I replicate that adrenaline rush and um, thought long and hard. And I realized, you know what, I wouldn't have done or achieved anything without Clive. And so to me, I said, I want to coach and I want to get back to the game because like I said, I took a Greyhound bus. If I didn't have soccer, I would not have gotten a college education like I did. Um, soccer paid for my education. It then became my job. It took me around the country, around the world, playing on all sorts. So for me, it was important to get back to the game. And I wanted to do it. And I wanted, I told myself, if I can make even one-tenth of the impression or impact on a young kid's life that Clive had on mine, that I know I will have done a good thing. So at that time I was actually at, um, started up at UCLA and I was assistant coach up there for two years. I absolutely hated LA. I literally would drive home and I'd hit San Clemente and I'd see the ocean and I would have a physical just, oh, I'm home. I know you're talking about, I lived in Anaheim for a few years and it, same thing, just anytime yeah. that you pass that threshold, you feel like it's just like something releases out of yes. your body. Like I'm, I feel ma like it's a magical place that you feel, I totally get 100%. And then when I'd get back on the five to go north, I felt myself just tighten up. And so um out of the blue you know through a contact the sharks reached out the president called and said hey we want you to come run the del mar carmel valley sharks girls program i'm like oh no thanks um and she called back she's like are you sure you know and at the time i was pregnant with my son and i thought okay well maybe this could be my ticket to get home because i can't just leave a college job i'm pregnant and obviously need to have be able to work so i kind of threw out there to her and i just said hey sure but we're gonna do it my way. It's not gonna be about results. I don't care how many tournaments we win. For me, it's gonna be out the girls and these life lessons, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, let me talk to the rest of the board. And I thought that would be the last I would hear from her. Um, but soon enough, she called me back and she said, done, when can you start? Um, so I came down and started off just as the director of the girls competitive and really just started to just build it and just have it be about the kids, you know? And for me, it is crazy because there's a lot of parents out there that whether it's living vicariously through their kids or, you know, having these dreams for them that were burning kids out at 10, 11, 12, um, you know, and I could go to any sideline and nine times out of 10 tell you which parents played either collegiately or professionally because they're usually the more relaxed ones. Like they, my son's a rec player and that's great. As long as he's doing something and he's healthy and they're like, Oh my gosh, that poor rec coach. I'm like, Honestly, you know, I have coached him, but I'm the quietest one because I know how hard it is. And I know what I really want out of this sport for my son. And so I've had to kick parents off the field for yelling at referees and comments and this type of stuff. And so it morphed from um, just being the girls director to a couple of years later, they asked me to take over the boy side. And, you know, of course they were like, can you run the boy side? And I'm like, why wouldn't I? It's soccer. It's the same thing type thing. So um, 
it more from my 12 years there. It's now I'm executive director. We have a very large rec program. We have, you know, an ECNL, which is the national platform for our players that do want to go to college. But one of the things that I think is the coolest thing is we have every level of soccer from five-year-olds to collegiate bound players, um, you know, and older division one rec players that literally just play because they like playing in the fall with their, their high school friends. Um, and just really tried to build a culture where the kids are free to express themselves. And especially this last year at the pandemic, it's been a release. We've, we've had to resort to Zoom and we are back out there in a limited fashion, but I just keep trying to stress that this is a release for some of these kids. It was for me growing up and some of these kids need to be out and have that socialization and that the healthiness and all that. So um, it's been a labor of love because, it, you know, it, I definitely fought it kicking and stream, screaming, but to be here back home in San Diego where I grew up, I mean, you know, I told myself if I come back, it's not going to be Escondido. I, I, I live in Cardiff now. I don't have to do that 50 minute drive to the beach, um, but it, it's nice to be home. And obviously when Loyal came along, I, it's just to be a part of professional soccer um, you know, WSA was three years. It was like being in college without the classes. It was just an epic environment. We had so much fun. And now to have Loyal, it's just, you know, it's a dream come true to be a part of such a, an awesome, incredible organization. Yeah, I mean, we're so lucky to have you here. I mean, everybody involved with the club always sings your praises and us, you know, same. So um, going from what you... Thank you kind of what you know your past career was into this career how did you first come in contact with the club how did you you know kind of come to the position that you're at now um well worked with um got to know landon through soccer city uh -huh. um and and working with him through that and you know we, we all left heartbroken after that and then out of the blue he, he reached out and he said hey i gotta talk to you and you're gonna think i'm a little crazy so let's do this face to face and we actually met at pipes it's a little breakfast place down oh, the yeah. road and he's he sat down see well i used, to, I used place. to all the time before school and high school yeah Oh yeah. Yeah. See, you know it. Um, so we sat down at pipes and, you know, we're having breakfast and he throws out, he's like, so, you know, there's this group and they're bringing soccer to San Diego and would love for you to be a part of it. And I just kind of laughed. He's like, I know I had the same reaction you did. He said, but there's this guy, Warren Smith, he's legit. It's happening. Um, and so I, you know, said, okay, I'm, I'm definitely interested in kind of maybe dipped a toe in, but I was not going full bore because it's, you know, just scars from soccer city. And, uh, you know, Landon actually asked me to be, a, be, a, um, come on and help him coach. And I just told him that financially with everything I have going on, I, I wasn't ready to jump in full bore, um, which he understood. So that's when he asked me to be a, you know, an advisor and, um, got to be around the club when the boys, the gentlemen, I should say, the guys, whenever I could, um, you know, which is just incredible to go down there and watch them train and get after each other. Um, and it's kind of morphed in from that all of a sudden they're like, Hey, what happened? You know, I've, I'd done some commentating, um, with the U 17 and U 20 world cups. Um, I've done some ESPN sec games. Didn't like taking a red eye to Tennessee to call a game, just fly back. Um, so <laughs> was doing work with Fox soccer. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, I've never really called a professional men's live game, but I actually, um, Jesse, I told him, I'm like, I picked out a handful of games and left, gave myself an out with the, you know, the other half of them. And after the first one, I had so much fun that I'm like, all right, I can do them all. I was just kind of giving myself an out and uh, so it morphed into that. And, um, you know, I think I've just been really impressed with Andrew 
the owner and Warren and his leadership and, uh, you know, take every advantage to be more a part of the organization because they're about the community, um, mm -hmm. which obviously is important to me and what I try to instill with the Sharks. So it's just been such an easy fit um, and a great honor to, to work with all these guys. Yeah, I mean, but on the before we move on from the commentating part, I'd like to to say you do such a phenomenal job. Um, when you know this this year, especially when Loyal had to play away, we were kind of forced to listen to the away <laughs> commentating teams, and um, those were those, there were there were some mute buttons activated. I was going to say there's um, a mute button, Steve. <laughs> you can mute yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I did. So, I, you know, you know what? I listen to some of the away games too, and I'm like, oh my gosh! I hope people aren't saying what about me, what I say about these guys, because <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah, um, you know. But I think what helped me is the fact that I get to be around the guys so much, so I have yeah. a feel and more insight into the personalities and getting to know them a bit more. Um, so I think that that for me, you know, confidence has never been my strong suit. It's something I work at with everything, and that's like I. That's why I kind of dipped the toe with the, the commentating, but um, being able to be around the team and feel the culture and the environment and that stuff has definitely helped me. But I, I really appreciate that because it's it's putting myself out of my comfort zone to do, to call those games. So um, especially because I know what a critic I am against some of the other broadcasters, and I'm like mute. <laughs> it really does your your ability, your knowledge of the players, your knowledge of kind of the team and what the moment means in each game. I think really was one of those things where I I was giving you a, a little guff before. I was like, oh, we got tired of listening to you. That's why we didn't have you on. But <laughs> the reality, I, I honestly can't imagine anybody else calling games at home now. Um, Thank you. True. It really does. Honestly, it, it, it feels like. I need that depth of knowledge from my commentator or everything else. And that's why the other guys looked worse, I think, is because yeah. you guys were doing such a good job at home that we felt like you could hear them reading off a sheet. And that was yeah. never <laughs> the case with you guys, unless it was some weird away player that was off the bench that we had no idea. But even then, you guys did a fantastic job. So thank well, you. And if, thank I hear, if I have to hear the loyals again one more time. My I know, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it, it means a lot coming from the three of you. And, you know, I got to give kudos to Jack because he's, you know, I'm just his wing woman and he makes it so easy. Um, you know, and it's just from day one, we just, it felt like I'd work with him forever. So, um, you know, I definitely got to give kudos to him because he, he makes my, he makes me look good. No joke. Or sound good. Well, Jack is amazing. So, yeah, definitely kudos yeah. and shout out to Jack. Here's the thing is you can ask Ricardo. We would text him like, Ricardo, can you please just pay for Jack and Shannon's airplane and fly them <laughs> over there? Because, or can you have them in a booth locally or something? Because we're just tired of hearing these other. I mean, keep telling them that. Keep pushing <laughs> that. Let's make it happen. I'm in. I'm in. I just need the green light from them. So keep bugging them. You know, but, but obviously, moving on from you're in the booth, did a fantastic job, as we just mentioned. Going into the first team and your involvement, obviously, before you were in the booth and before we knew that you were going to be in the booth with Jack we knew that you were going to be involved with the first team and be involved with, with the club in, in some way or another. So how are you involved How now? How are you involved on a day-to-day -day basis with the first team and, and with San Diego? Well, since it's been off season and obviously with COVID stuff, you know, it's um, been a lot behind the scenes, so to speak, you know, the season is going to be ramping up. We've gotten the green light that it's going to happen in May. Um, so that, you know, back out about six weeks for preseason and stuff. So I'm really excited for that to get going to, you know, meet the new guys, um, see, see the others that are returning um, and get back down to Shula Vista to see them a bit more. Um, but currently it is more just, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff. I also got 
um, the impact committee that's come along. I know we're going to jump into that, um, but just trying to really help as much as I can. Um, I did a lot of some, a lot of the legwork with the loyal select um, and Matt Hall is just, besides being one of my favorite human beings is just going to do such a phenomenal job because he's someone who's so invested in the community. He knows the culture of the, the youth game. So, um, you know, really excited for him to take the reins of that and just knock that out of the park. And, you know, how cool to think one of these young boys in our youth system right now are going to be able to have a true player pathway locally and throw on team one Jersey at some point, you know, that that's exciting yeah. to me. And that's, that's incredible. Yeah, that's it. I was saying to uh, to Matt last week, it's it's something with Barry that I felt a little bit personally, just because he came from my part of San Diego is, is where he lived most of his time in San Diego. Yeah. So for me, you really feel you, you get that sense of, you know, it's kind of that I-15 corridor. It's like, oh, it's a little different. Somebody maybe comes from South Bay or, or North County a little bit. So for me, yeah. like, when they score, you really just get that extra sense of pride that just it doesn't it once you get to know a player and you love them it's still there but it's just that sense of having somebody who understands the city understands the culture and what it means um especially here is, is pretty cool so with that um you know one of the main questions uh, a few people had muttered uh along is uh but it's kind of a fresh one you might not have heard will loyal select ever uh, include any women uh, in the grouping at least initially or is that in the plans Yes. Uh, and that's a fair question, you know, and um, it's conversations I've had. I know Andrew, our owner, is very supportive of it. Um, but to me, it's about doing it right so that it sustains itself. If we just throw something out there and say, oh, yeah, we're going to have a women's team, but we don't really have a professional side for them to kind of have that next step. Um, you know, it's it's tough to, you know, and the financial part, too, because I think for it to be a true um opportunity and something different and unique is it, it needs to be fully funded by the club. And so these, these young guys that are getting the opportunity to go train at Loyal Select and the games that they're going to play and the gear they're going to, it's all fully funded. So it doesn't matter where they come from. If they're good, they're going to be chosen to come out and play and not have to worry about anything other than getting themselves there. So um, for me, um, you know, there was a lot of talk at first of, you know, let's do both, but I want to make sure that it, like I said, it is something that is done right and thoughtfully with the timing um, and the financial aspects so that it, um, you know, really is something, you know, we've seen so many versions of the women's league. Now we have the NWSL, which has fortunately survived longer than the most. Um, but a large part of that is, is because the Canadian Federation and U.S. Soccer and Mexican Federation have helped financially with that. They're kind of moving away from that, which makes me a little nervous. Um, so it's, again, it's just something I really want to make sure we do it properly. And it, it's going to come. Um, and I think it'll be really well embraced here. Um, and I know the league really wants to look at having a women's tier as well. Um, and I think one of the things that I love about it, I've had a couple conversations is, you know, why should it be USL women or this, that, or the other? It should be USL loyal, that type of thing, you know, San Diego loyal under the USL type stuff. So um, there's definitely talks about it. And again, it's just really wanting to do it well and do it right so that it's here and it is something that we can be proud of. I love that step-by-step step, kind of making sure you assure your base, make sure that it's secure yeah. and then kind of move, you know, you don't want to move, not just starting just to start. And that's, that's something that I right. love about kind of the intention with this entire club is you want to be very intentful. And it sounds like exactly with select as well. You guys are doing that. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And that's right. the thing too, you know, even when they, we started 
getting close with Loyal Select, the league's like, okay, you're in, we want to announce it. And it was really important. Warren said, "Uh uh-uh, we want to talk to all the youth clubs. We want to get it out with the locals. We want to get it out within Loyal and we want to control the narrative and make sure that people know this is not going to be, you know, Loyal's going to start their own academy program and run their own youth club. This is an opportunity for everyone. They want to work with all youth clubs. They want to be a part of the community. So um, it is all very intentional and thoughtful and mindful for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think I asked Matt this question last week on, on the podcast, but it's definitely worth asking again. Um, How are you kind of you know, you and Matt are working this together. You guys both have deep roots within the kind of youth club soccer realm here in San Diego. Like that's going to definitely work to your advantage, right? Like how are you guys planning on kind of collaborating and working and, you know, building your contacts and kind of, you know, people you've worked with for the past 12, 13 years. Like, yeah, I think anybody, somebody coming in from nowhere, um, you know, no experience, no deep, you know, no, no roots in this, in this kind of community they could be seen as an outsider and, you know, seen as like a competitive, like you're picking my players, you're plucking my players, but I think you guys have like a special way and like a special kind of connection to San Diego. You guys both also being from San Diego um, to, to kind of work with those clubs. Can you talk about kind of how you guys are planning on doing that? Yeah. And that's also been in the motion, you know, for months now um, from having, you know, emails out to them, phone calls out to all the youth clubs, trying to work on, you know, having them collaborate with Loyal in terms of, you know, before we obviously got shut down of having club nights where, you know, the sharks go out and having experiences we can have for them, you know, potential tournament winners being able to be out on the field, you know, who gets to walk out with the teams, all kinds of things that obviously got um, shelved because of that. Um, but when Loyal Select really started to take off, um, you know, we held a PowerPoint presentation for them on Zoom. We wanted to do it in the new office, but then we kind of got more restrictive lockdown orders. We, you know, pivoted and did something on Zoom. We, we were invited all the youth club directors as well as anyone they wanted on there. We walked them through a PowerPoint explaining, you know, the league's going to run parallel to Team One there's opportunity. If someone's good enough, you know, Landon could pick up the phone and say, Hey, come train with team one. Um, you know, they're going to train down at Chula Vista, just breaking it all down and sharing that it's not about where they come from. Um, and I think that's really the advantage with Matt is he's such a well-respected director because he lives, breathes, knows San Diego soccer better than most. Um, and it's, it's a great asset for us because I mean, you, you sit down with Matt and if you don't laugh within the first two minutes, you know, there's, there's something wrong with you because you're not going to meet a more humble, just hilarious guy who just truly has a love and passion. Um, so I, th- I think they've got the great, greatest leader for, possible for it. Um, you know, I, I help as much as I can. And, you know, I think everyone that I've interacted with in the youth club scene know what I'm about. And, you know, hey, if I have a kid at my club that doesn't want to play here, more power to you. Go be happy. You know, who am I to, you know, beg you or try to promise you the world? That's that's not how. Go be happy. Everyone's journey's different. Um, you know, and I, I think that's the goal with Select is really just to have a legit local pathway. You know, everyone's got a different pathway to where they're going to end up. You know, I didn't do all the ODP and all those programs growing up because I couldn't afford it. But sure enough, you know, my junior year, we won state cup and went all the way to regionals and won regionals. And that's where Clive's staff saw me and all the other coaches saw me was at far west regionals it was an odp so some may come from loyal select some maybe we don't we might miss a few fish out there 
you know, but at least it's an opportunity instead of having all these players go off to Real Salt Lake, um, you know, a galaxy MLS teams, like it's legit, it's local, it's a step. And um, it's going to, you know, of course there's going to be hesitation with these youth clubs because, you know, they, they don't believe that Loyal's not going to launch a full-blown academy. And all we can say is, look, that is not in our plans. Is it down the road 10 years? We don't know. If there's a need for it because this youth game's still chaotic, maybe we will entertain that. But right now, this is just about an opportunity for the best of the best. You know, when I uh, started, actually, when all of us started talking in the beginning of this, before Loyal was San Diego lawyer, what it is now, we were talking about that. I think in the back of our minds as supporters, we always think about the, the youth and especially local youth and how can, are we going to have some of the local youth representing us, right? That's a big, big thing for supporters to have. It's a pride thing to have a player from San Diego represent right. where, where the crest that represents all of us. And, and from the beginning, it was always like, no, not really, because we, first of all, have enough to worry about. But second of all, there's such a good... <laughs> Uh, foundation already here for the youth system mm -hmm. in San Diego that we don't want to take away from what is already built here. I think that was just from everybody in the club that was involved in the beginning was that response. And they're showing exactly. it again, but somehow have found a way to incorporate what's already here and bring it in and make it San Diego loyal, which is amazing. Um, and if you haven't listened, for those that are here, please check it out. Episode 21, we got to talk to Matt Hall. And just as Shannon said, if you don't laugh listening to this guy talk, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but such a good interview. And he, we break down exactly what what's, uh, the Loyal Select is, what it's about, and how it's going to work. So appreciate your input on that. And I really, really want to jump into now the Impact Committee, which you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and for those of you that have not heard about this, all right? <laughs> the USL Impact Committee, comprised of representatives from Championship and League One clubs, uh, mm -hmm. met for the first time. Uh, it looks two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago on a Tuesday. Yeah, uh, Tuesday afternoon to open the 2021, 2020-2021 USL Winter Summit, uh, working in col collaboration with the USL headquarters. The newly formed group will serve as an advisory board to both the league office and its clubs. Uh, working to identify issues, provide recommendations on how to better address areas of social impact, and to use uh, soccer as a force for good. Now, that's one thing that we already are, you know, very much uh, excited about. The fact that San Diego loyal representatives are in such a way where the whole I will speak, I will act, uh, and actually doing it and stepping up and doing something that a club would normally, you know, eh, I don't know if I want to do, you know what San Diego loyal said, this is what we're about. We're not just going to say it. We're going to actually act upon it. Um, and so this is a huge, huge step. And of course we have to have somebody represent us and it's <laughs> you. So I can't think of a better person. Uh, can you kind of break it down from, I guess, layman's terms, what it is and what the goals are of the USL impact committee? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think you, you said it so well, Jerry, it's, it's about, you know, making a difference in our communities. And we saw that at the tail end of our season last year. Um, and it was about not just, you know, the talk, it's about having action behind those words. And, you know, the why statement for Loyal is to ignite and unite through service, soccer and soul. So that San Diego is activated, elevated and celebrated. And they live to that. We saw that at the end of season. And I think what the stance that San Diego made, that Loyal made, 
between, you know, forfeiting points and walking off the field the way they did was a catalyst for the league because there was a lot of communication. Warren Smith is someone who's so well-respected throughout the entire USL, um, you know, and so when you have leadership like that and you have a clean team in the culture like that, that's doing action behind these words. Um, it, I think it was a catalyst for the league to really go, you know, we need to do more and we need to have, make sure that, we're doing stuff within the team level, the community, the league level as a whole. Um, so Warren, um, you know, was a big part in this. He asked if I would be interested and I said, absolutely, because we had to submit uh, an application with the, you know, a summary of why and, you know, our background and stuff. And um, I think, you know, with Warren's support, um, I was chosen for that. And so the impact committee, um, it's been broken into four subcommittees four areas, so they sent out polls and stuff, and four um, areas that will be the main focus for 2021, not saying it won't go beyond that, um, but it's anti-racism, LGBTQ, and advocacy, community engagement, which is kind of a catch-all, but that subcommittee really wants to do more, like, actual come up with stuff, not just be the, the catch-all, have, you know, more defined things. Um, and then gender equity is the fourth one. So um, as a subcommittee, they asked me to be a part of gender equity, which I'm really excited about because I think it's going to further conversations of how do we get a women's side? How do we do it? What level? All that type of stuff. Um, so as Jerry mentioned, we've only had the one conversation or the one two-hour Zoom and it was just breaking, you know, letting us all kind of come together as a main committee. We're going to have calls every six weeks as a main committee. And then our subcommittees are going to meet every two weeks and just see how we can impact our communities. Better diversity. We're going to work together with the Players Association, the Black Players Association. They're more than welcome to be on any and all of the Zooms. Um, and just really look to see where we can go and how we can um, affect this change. Um, and then when there's policy changes, like one of the things that Loyal brought up after the two incidences we had is there should be a bigger fine and a bigger penalty for this, this type of actions. Yes. Um, so when things like that come up throughout the season, which I'm sure it's not the end of it and there'll be other things, you know, they'll come to the um, impact committee with, you know, these are potential policy changes what do you guys think? And we'll kind of be the sounding board, um, not have the the end all be all, but um, you know, be a sounding board for any potential policy changes. So it's an incredible honor. Um, you know, even though we are on the subcommittees, we all will be working together. And um, again, just trying to do things from the team level as well as the league level and how can we impact our communities in a better positive way. I mean, you guys just saw the $10,000 check that Andrew and Warren, um, we're able to give to the Association of African American Educators. And that's, you know, it's so important to Andrew is to really make an impact and just walk the walk um, and live up to our why statement and our, our values. And, um, you know, to have a seat at that table at the league level is really something that is, is pretty special. I'm honored um, and I really hope to make the club proud and um, help affect change. Yeah, and so speaking of the speaking of the players' association, I was just on the um, this past Saturday was the Independent Supporters Council, uh, full business, you know, uh, a meeting that typically is done in some kind of a host city, and you know, leaders of the supporters groups around the country travel to those cities um, and do like a weekend or a long weekend of like actual in person, but due to COVID, they made all that um, virtual. 
so this this past Saturday, we did like a USL breakout, and the Players Association actually joined all the USL representatives that were there. Um, and I was in that meeting, and it was it was really cool. It was really insightful to see where the Players Association are, what they're bargaining and negotiating. And I actually asked a question regarding, you know, kind of the incidents that you touched on towards the end of last season, how they're involved with, you know, holding the league accountable, making sure that, you know, the league said that they're going to do more education. And like you said, you know, there should be stiffer penalties. Things should be, you know, held more accountable. And we had a really good discussion about that. So it makes me really happy to say that, you know, you're like, you know, the players, the players association should be more involved and can be more involved with these discussions. And that's amazing. You know, that's, that's like, that's really good. Like, you know, camaraderie and, and working together. Um, but then you also mentioned the gender equity side of things and having the women's game. Um, Jeff Reuter last week tweeted and was reporting um, of, a, of a USL specific women's league, like a pro-am league starting in 2022. Can you kind of talk about that at all? Are you involved? Uh, what do you, what can you tell us? We're going to try to call I think he, I think he might have the scoop. Um, I actually have a call before my subcommittee call because um, they, they want to discuss some things, but um, you know, there is talk out there of having, uh, you know, kind of a tier two to the NWSL. Um, so when I first cool. got the phone call and they said, you know, congratulations, we want you to be on this gender equity. What do you think of a women's pro league? And I'm like, well, we already have one. So the last thing we need is, two competing women's leagues because that's just not smart in any sense. Um, so I was a little, you know, worried about that, but um, since then it's kind of, you know, talking more of being like a USL, which potentially players come through from your community um, into USL, into MLS or, or beyond type thing. So um, I think something like that, that could be a feeder to NWSL would, would be incredible. Uh, I think it's the right step, um, you know, similar to USL, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, you know, but who knows where that can morph into? Maybe you know we're at tier two for a couple years, and then it does morph into a full-blown NWSL team. But I think it's smart to do it that way again, to be intentional and not just be like, "Yeah, we're going," you know, challengingly to NWSL um, and and all of that. Especially now that, as we said, NWSL is going to have to take the full financial burden. U.S. Soccer, all these other contracts are are you know going away. Um, so I think he has a little bit of an early scoop. It should be coming, but I know there are conversations and, um, you know, I was really excited to hear that because I think, you know, it's, it's been pretty, it was amazing. Like I said, to play in WSA in my hometown, it's been an incredible dreamlike year to be a part of San Diego loyal. Um, and to be a part of actually helping bring a women's team here is just beyond anything I could imagine. So I will 100% be involved in every, potential possible way it, it'll be a dream come true for me um obviously support it beyond any any no words could describe how much i would support it but um you know we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have you guys getting dialed in um you guys are going to be busy your, your you weekends are just going to be maxed out with uh, you know both the men and the women playing bring it all the we've been starved for years so <laughs> exactly me? we'll, we'll make up for it <laughs> i i I, I'm so excited. And, and one of the things that's really cool for me, um, and Shannon, in case you know a little, don't know a little bit of my background, I was involved with the beginning of uh, what eventually became the 3252 down in Los Angeles with the with the LAFC uh, team. I did, uh, I, I do get to show off and say that you are the second 
women's uh, national team legend that I get to speak to, uh, Mia Hamm, as well, I, I've been able to speak with. And so something that she mentioned. She's pretty cool. She's she's all right. Um, she, yeah, she's all right. She's not, she's, not, she's not from San Diego. But uh, no. <laughs> so you do have that, uh, you know. But she's she mentioned at the beginning when we were talking about LAFC, and I think for us as supporters, again, we look at all the – different you know angles are we going to get youth teams are we going to get a women's team yeah. that was very much a conversation with an lafc was can lafc get a, a a women's team i mean los angeles clearly needs one right and yes. can we get an nwsl team and this was in 2006 okay this is well before like this is when lafc was just announced and we're talking about how how could this happen and how can we make this happen as supporters what do you need from us to show that there's going to be enough uh, obviously you know the, the people that are in charge need to see that there's going to be some money coming in in order to be sustainable as you mentioned all of those conversations we had all of that and and mia from the beginning said to me we i definitely want to do this i'll do everything that i possibly can but i can't promise you that it's going to happen because it's all kind of just up in the air right now. It's conversations are being had, I promise you. But it's something that you talk about way in advance before you start a club. So possibly, right? And that's all she could give me. And so now we have Angel City, <laughs> right? And so for me now, we're talking about possibly USL bringing in a women's league. And I just want to say to the listeners, it's up to you guys. If you want this to happen, you have to start talking about it. You have to start putting it yes. out into the universe. Make it happen. Los Angeles made it happen. Yes, I know that that's like a dirty word in the show. I'm sorry. But you know what? <laughs> San Diego is going to make it happen. And so I want you yes. guys to kind of put it out into the universe because we've seen it happen before. It, it's not about just one team. Uh, and, and LA did it. It's, it's happened a lot of times where... You know, you look at what, uh, for example, Philadelphia was able to do. They had no team and the Sons of Ben got together and now they have a team. Right. And yep. it's just we make it happen as supporters. We have a lot more power than you think that we do. So with that being said and yeah. looking into, um, you know, what's happening now with with women's uh with the NWSL and with, with women teams coming in, um, mm -hmm. there's I believe Chicago is was was it Charlotte or Chicago? That's I don't remember what other team was just announced that was coming in women's. Oh, Sacramento possibly. That's another thing that's yeah. out there. Um, I'm just now just super excited Kansas. to talk about this, but Kansas we're looking City's at this. Getting one, Louisville. There it is, right. Louisville. Okay. Yeah. Is a, is an owner. Yeah. The best tweet I saw about him going to the Super Bowl is the uh, first uh, husband of a owner of WSL. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so awesome. And so. Good stuff. To bring it back in into our conversation with you, Shannon, you're involved with Angel City mm -hmm. as well. <laughs> Added to the list of things that you're doing, how did this come about? How are you? Uh, how much? In, how involved are you? And please tell us that we're not going to lose you to Los Angeles. <laughs> well, first, I want to touch on what you said, Jerry. Is you guys have a lot of impact. I mean, I think when I have the luxury of of knowing you guys. Um, and seeing, you know, I, I think people think of supporters and they just think, oh, those are just those rowdy group at the games that are, you know, don't sit down and they're just dancing and drumming and singing and waving flat. Like, I think for someone who's not in the soccer world, they that's what they picture. But they picture. you guys have so much more impact and knowledge and, you know, you guys can make change, you know, and the connection that what I love, too, is the relationship you guys have with Loyal. 
and how impactful that is, you know, and Ricardo wants to know what you guys think and feel and hear. So you absolutely can help this happen. So I agree with you 100%. And for anyone that knows, you guys are so much more than, like I said, just the crazies at the game. So, um, you know, definitely that though. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying you're not, but there's, there's more to you than that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that it's really going to be key because, you know, when we, we do things too, even at Loyal, it's like, you know, what would the supporters say? What do they want to see? What would they think? Would they appreciate this? So you guys are in those conversations and you are part of the heart and soul of this organization. So absolutely, you know, let, let's make it happen. Um, and I'll answer the question first. There is zero chance you're going to lose me to L.A., um, my, my son actually, you know, at, at one point university of Portland, you know, called a few years back and we're like, Hey, would you want to come? And, you know, he made it clear of like, he loves Cardiff. He loves his school. He loves his friends. So, uh, he definitely voted no. Um, but I already did the LA experience. It is not for me. I, I like I said, I live in Car Cardiff. I'm in paradise. You are in zero chance. You're losing me to LA. So, um, but in terms of how LAFC happened, um, you know, again, it just goes to the leadership that I've been blessed to be a part of, um, you know, Natalie Portman just fell in love with the game and loved that her son was, you know, enjoying the games and stuff. And she reached out to Julie Foudy and Mia and said, hey, you know, we want to bring NWSL to L.A. What do you think? Do you guys want to be in? And Foudy and Mia, being who they are, said, do you realize how many national teamers, how many 99ers actually live in the Southern California area? Um, and uh, Julie Ehrman, who's the, the president, said, no, but let, let's chat with them. And so Foudy sent out an email and just, you know, in typical Foudy said, hey, crazies, have a, you know, something to run by you guys and said, you know, there's this group. It's legit. It's happening. And they're going to be a part of bringing NWSL to Los Angeles. And they want to know if you guys want to be a part of it. And I don't know who responded the fastest, but we're all like, are you kidding? Of course. Absolutely. So um, it's obviously a very large pie. And um, those of us that are the 99ers, I think there's about or 99ers and national teamers in the SoCal area. There's about 12 of us. We've got a little crumb of that pie as a little LLC. Um, but what's great is we get to be on these calls and they want to, you know, they want to do it right. They want to make it about soccer, not just, you know, women's soccer, men's soccer, this. They want to make sure there's equity with pay um, and really elevate the game. And, um, you know, you get someone like, Alexis Ohani and, you know, Serena Williams' husband. I mean, their daughter, Olympia, is, you know, playing soccer during the World Cup final. And he says to Serena, you know, hey, wouldn't it be cool if our daughter's on there? She says, hell no, not until they get paid type thing. And that, you know, is a catalyst for him. So it's all people that are in it for the right reasons. They love the game. They want to see the game grow um, and want to be a part of it. And, you know, I think choosing LAFC Stadium, is just the perfect fit for the, the club. Um, there's a lot of exciting stuff to come. You know, they're going to na name the title sponsor. Um, you know, the technical staff's going to be announced this spring, obviously starting all the stuff to make sure, you know, get player allocation. Um, this time next year, you know, be almost ready to take the field. So it's all exciting stuff. Um, it's pretty cool to be on the Zooms with all these, you know, 75 some odd people and scrolling through and oh there's eva longoria and oh there's natalie portland portman you know my son's like hey it's padme <laughs> um <laughs> nice. so it, it, it's pretty hard not to okay. be awestruck um, i can't wait for that home opener i will be going up there for games and i can't wait for that home opener and, and 
you know, how big of an owner's box they're going to need. Um, so it, it's definitely a smaller level, but it's just, it's a nod to them, um, you know, really wanting to have soccer people involved. So, um, you know, I have a very, very small part within that. So uh, there's, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere, but it's it's a pretty cool thing to be able to say, you know, we're part of an ownership group. Yeah, I just have yeah, to say it. that I hope the NWSO is ready because our friends over at Rebellion 99 have a foundation. Um, Lindsay and Mark, um, well, actually, just Lindsay Rojas in general, who from the beginning was a big, big uh, just person and reason why the whole nwsl la signs that you saw everywhere because of mm -hmm. Lindsay and uh, rebellion 99 now is much more than just Lindsay, but that foundation of of them too along with everybody that came along and pushed now is so big that they're definitely mm -hmm. going to be battling it out with the 3252 in size in loudness and in just amazingness because i can already tell that they have they're they have the foundation to have like one of the best supporter groups, the best supporter culture, and they have the location now with, with the LAFC Stadium yeah. to just really, really show the world what soccer supporter culture can be, right? Um, so yeah, and, I'm excited. Yeah, and that speaks to what we were just talking about too, Jerry, of like how a supporters group can make a difference. You know, yeah. they were such a large part in making sure the league knew and anyone in the LA area knew they wanted women's soccer there. So, I mean, that that's a perfect example of it. And I just think, you know, players are going to be dying to come play for Angel City. So it's, it's going to be fun. I just hope, um, you know, there, there remains some parity in the league. We don't just roll over everybody. Um, but it, it's going to be wild ride. And, I, you know, Rebellion have been phenomenal. And I know they talk with all the leadership at Angel City. And Angel City, similar to Loyal, they're already walking the walk, you know, doing a lot of stuff in the community um, and giving back already. So, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a hard ticket to come by by the time we actually kick off up there because they're, they're putting in the work, just like Loyal does daily down here. I'm, I'm excited for one. I'm not a huge LA fan. I, I've tried at several points in my life to engage with them, with different teams, but this team feels different. It does feel very, yeah. um, not not because it is, it, it is grassroots in the sense of people wanting this, building mm -hmm. towards it, and then trying to dial up the same idea of we want to take women's soccer and elevate it, right? There's yeah. always been an idea that's kind of come in here through Los Angeles, and, and, and I'm excited to see what that, as we were talking about, possibly on, you know, here in San Diego, kind of helps us come in you know with that lifted platform and then be able to go yeah. to a new new height right so I'm, I'm excited for all of it i think it's going to be pretty fantastic but bring it back to loyal um <laughs> the question i would have is 2020 was covid right that was that mm -hmm. and we tried to launch a team right as, as you know, <laughs> here we tried to launch a team and we had covid happen so those are two massive challenges right that i say yeah. both are almost equal in terms of yeah we, we tried to do and i think how the team navigated both uh, and the club navigated both it was it was pretty incredible so uh, and you can choose kind of team or club you know whether it's you know within the um you know uh, team one or, or the organization as a whole but what do you think the biggest non-covid challenge for season two will be because we'll still have obviously some of that to kind of work through but obviously it'll be more of an undercurrent now that we have a year of what this looks like so what do you think the largest challenge will be in year two or at least in 2021 for for the club yeah, well, I, I think the biggest challenge is going to be on the field because, you know, the way season ended, people are going to want to just come beat the snot out of us, you know? So I think it's going to be really important that, you know, not only we start off the way we ended, you know, and I, I really do think on the field-wise, we ran out of games. 
you know, because we were just on this trajectory. I mean, it was amazing watching the team come together, the, you know, just the the fight out there and all that. But now, um, you know, we've, we've put a big spotlight on us um, and people are going to take some pride in coming out and saying, oh, we beat San Diego, whether it's here or, you know, on their home turf. So I think it's going to be really important, you know, and there's a lot of changes within the team. Um, so it's going to be making sure that the new players, you know, mesh well with the current returning players. Um, so I, I think it, it's going to be tough because we did put a, like I said, big spotlight on us. Um, I think organizationally, I think Warren just had an incredible attitude about it. He said, look, you know, we are a startup and we just had the brakes pumped on us instead of sitting back. How, what can we do now to help us get better? We you know we had the trial run with the home opener and this, that, or the other, and he used it really as a teaching growing moment. So I think organizationally, you know, Obviously, if we could have people in the, in the stands, it'd be a no-brainer. Um, but, you know, making sure that we're, we're being safe and, you know, staying financially s solvent, so to speak, you know, without having, you know, we're, we're, we're a ticket-based company. Um, so, I, but it's it's been really impressive, the the outlook that Warren's brought to the, the office and organizational side um, in terms of that. But, yeah, I, I'm just excited to start seeing these guys get out there in training and seeing the new personalities come in. You know, we're going to have to come up with some nicknames uh, before we get into broadcast for Thomas, because I'm not looking forward to that last name. Um, so any name last week or two weeks ago, I Tommy think. Tommy V, just V. TV. Yeah, he's, he's going to be either the V or Tommy V or something, because that's yeah. not going to flow very well. Well, um, but, you know, I do think that on the field now, there's, you know, it's not just going to be a, you know, oh, it's a startup team. You know, we made some noise yeah. and people are going to be, it's going to be a little badge of honor to try to beat Loyal. Yeah, I mean, I think you're totally right. By the end of the season, we were definitely stomping some teams there. And uh, that was some, that was fun. I mean, you know, when the return to play, we, we had a couple good games and there was a bleak August. And then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we got some players on loan that, that really turned the tides for us. So I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful that the, these new signings and some others at the pipe, um, you know, are, are kind of willing to fill those shoes and score some goals and, and, and kind of plug the holes that some of those players solved. Um, but for sure. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm ecstatic. I can't wait. I'm sure you can't wait either to kind of get back on the field. Um, your, your start, you said, I think you said six weeks till training camp. You know, we've got a couple months until things kick off for us, but um, I, I just, I can't wait. And uh, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate your time. And um, I, 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 I just can't wait to see you more in 2021. Oh, you guys are the best. And, uh, you know, I'll forgive you for taking a year to get me on here just because you guys are the best. But uh, hopefully it's not another year. But, I, you know, I just want to say you you guys, seriously, your whole locals, all you guys are just so much appreciated. And, like, you know, I mean it when I say you guys are the heart and soul of this, too. You guys are so important to the day in, day out. And I know the difference. I know that crowd can be that extra push when it's late in the game. And it's something that I think we missed, um, you know, and I think that kind of, played into a bit of the low we had until the guys really found that they got the feet under them. So um, thank you to all you guys do for all your love and support of the game and the loyal organization and, and team one and, you know, now loyal select and there's good things to come. So thank you guys. Thank That's you. Thank always, you. always good to hear when you say good things to come. Uh, the yeah. thing is we don't have a goalkeeper yet, so uh, we need to, oh, <laughs> we do. Okay. We, that, yeah. we do, but we don't know about them officially. So we're waiting. Okay. Okay. Uh, apparently our defense is so good. We don't need one. Uh, so, yeah, we don't need one. <laughs> uh, who cares? Like hockey. Yeah, we, we don't need a goalkeeper. 
Um, Sweeper keeper. <laughs> but again, we just want to take, we could, we could be here all day with you, but we really are super thankful that you spent some time with us. Uh, sorry. It took a year. And then on top of that, Steve's late. Like, come on, Steve. I'm going to throw you under the bus <laughs> yeah. just because you were super late. You were like two minutes late. Haven't you heard, <laughs> haven't you heard the whole, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, yeah. you're late. Come on. If you're Steve. on time, you're five minutes late. That's one of the biggest Clive-isms out there. Right, you, well. you were already fired, Steve. We fired you before you joined us. <laughs> All right. But then you brought Bryce, so that bought you back in. True. <laughs> Drew, do we have a way to just like mute Steve from this point on? Because he's, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> no, but I was going to say, just if you start the stream, that's why you're the first one on. So that's what I, my theory is. If you start it, then you can't be late. So that's, that's what I like. There you go. Then everybody else is late, right? So there you go. But again, just on behalf of the locals, thank you so much, Shannon, for everything that you do. Thank you for coming on with us, spending the time. Hopefully, like I said, we could spend all day here with you asking you questions. And we do have a whole list right in front of me right now that we're going to go ahead that and pass on. That just means you got to have me next. back then. Yes, exactly. that's where I was going. Yeah, so you, this will not be the last time that we have you on. We really appreciate you. Uh, we look forward to, uh, you know, talking to you more in uh, season two. And, any, I mean, anything else, Drew, anything you want to add before we go? No, it's it's been so fun talking to you. And we, we got a, a, a short uh uh, hello from your son there. It was kind of fun to see him pop in for a second. And I think I've heard he's going to be a future golf prodigy, maybe. So, uh, yes, he someone is. to watch he... as well with the Macmillan name there and, and, and watching Shannon's, uh, kind of skills go through a different pathway there. It's visualization to accomplishment. So, uh, well, that's, that's one of the things I want here. loyal to do a, a tournament, a golf tournament. So we'll get you guys out there playing golf too. And Let's my son that. can outdrive you like he does to me. So <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> nice. Well, thank great, you guys. Yeah, thank you. Likewise. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Steve. For Mr. Juicek, for Mr. Steve Brokoff, and for Mrs. Shannon McMillan, my name is Jerry Jimenez. Thank you for joining us. See ya. Bye. Stay.